to where the third week it's been a great series and last week like i said if you missed that go go listen to the podcast if you are listening online want to say thanks for listening and i uh, hope you enjoy the, the today's message and all the messages that you've heard uh guardrails is a system we said this uh, that when it comes to guardrails we see them all around us a lot of times we really don't pay attention we saw a great great sign the other day uh, i said um we're going down i-25 towards albuquerque and on the side of the road there's a big sign that says uh, uh, kind of like a warning sign that says damaged guardrail, like somebody hit the guardrail. And those are the only times you really notice them is when they're all mangled and, and beat up um, until you need them, right? And then, then you're like, oh, wow, I'm so glad that guardrail was in place. So this is, this is the definition of a guardrail. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So when it comes to life driving, we understand guardrails. Well, we're taking this idea and we're saying, what would that look like for us as people to have guardrails in our lives? And this is how we've de- we're defining a guardrail for, for this series. All right. So guardrail, when we talk about personal guardrails, it's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So this idea is we, we take these standards in our lives that, that, that correlate with behavior, and we say we're going to put these in our lives as guardrails to, safe keep, to, to safeguard and keep us safe, to help us on our journey, that we stay on the right path, that we stay going in the direction God wants us to. Throughout scriptures, um, there's a ton of... of of principles essentially we can call them guardrails where god is saying if, if you will do these things you're going to be prosperous you're going to succeed and if you don't it's kind of like you're going off the side of the road into the ditches and off the cliffs and and it's, so there's 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 danger and there's there's sudden death in some cases so we're saying it's got to be a personal standard here's the here's the the one of the keys to this series is you have to make this your own standard like we're, we go through some uh, guidelines and say these are some things you should put in your life, but if you don't choose that for your life and it doesn't become your own standard, it's not going to do you any good. Like I can talk about it all week, all today I can talk about all these different guardrails that I would encourage you to have, but if you don't make this a standard of behavior in your life, it's not going to really help you all that much. It's kind of like this idea, well, one day I'll put a guardrail there to protect that. No, it has to become a personal standard that, that becomes a matter of conscience, that really bugs you when you get close to that, you bump up against that guardrail. So um, um, last week, great message. Those are kind of from the first week, talk about what a guardrail would be. Last week, talk about relationships. He said, Robert said, acceptance leads to influence, uh, which is really, really important because the key principle was um, is that acceptance leads to influence. When we accept people around, we give them permission to influence our lives. And so the, the Bible said a wise person is someone who understands uh, that life is, is connected and a fool is someone who, who knows the difference between right and wrong but still chooses uh, to ignore it. And so we said you want to have people around you. He had this great uh, statement in there. It was, he called the fool uh, proximity principle. And then I, I have to reshare this because it was so good. If your friends um, that, you, that you have don't care about their life, they're really not going to care about your life. And that's really good, good, good to remember and understand is if they don't care about their lives, they're not going to care about yours. And so you want people around you to be able to do that. In fact, the greatest thing we can do for our friends and for our family and for our kids is care enough about our lives to be able to put the standards and, and, and guardrails in place to protect us. Because in a sense, we're saying, since I care about my life, that's going to show that I'm going to care about your life. Like I've taken enough time to say, I want to take care of my life. It's a good sign that they're... Others are going to say, okay, I see her taking care of your life. I can trust you knowing that you're going to want to see, see good in my life. So uh, when it comes um, to, to, our, to our marriages, to our businesses, whatever, we need to put places, guardrails in place. He gave five suggested guardrails. I'll just kind of go through this really quick. Uh, when it comes to your core group, if you see they're moving in a different direction, man, that should be a warning sign saying you're bumping up against something when all your friends and people that influence you are going in a different direction than you are. 
Uh, he said, if you pretend to be somebody else, all right, your conscience should light up and bother you when, when, you're, when you're trying to be somebody other than who you really are. That's a warning that you're, you're on dangerous ground, going towards dangerous ground. He said, also, if you feel pressure to compromise, that's um, a warning. Uh, if, you, if you make this statement, you hear yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate, that should be a warning sign that you might be going in an area that's gonna, that can cause damage. All right? And then the fifth one, he said, um, uh, when, when you hope the people you care about the most don't find out uh, what you've done or what you're going to do, right? That, that should be a huge warning light saying, all right, if I really don't want people to find out about this, I probably shouldn't be going in this direction. And so guardrails are saying, um, when I bump up against these things in my life, these standards, I need to, to be able to be careful. So today, uh, third week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, sexuality and really about what the Bible says about that. And so we'll talk about what that says. Uh, next slide for me. So we showed some signs, and really sexuality, I think one of the best signs when it comes to driving, it would be like this. This is a sign for a bridge. It's kind of telling you, hey, the, the, the margin for error is going to shrink here. Like you're going to be, you're going to, there's not a lot of, of room here. And we know bridges, if you go off the side of a bridge, there was not a guardrail, you went off, I'm pretty sure you would die, okay? Or, or on, on a cliff, something like that, where the margin of error is, is, um, is the, is the least, that's where the greatest damage can happen. Well, today we're talking about sexuality. This is one of those areas in our lives that can, can lead to the most damage in our lives. Um, one of the things when it, when it comes to, to God and the Bible we're talking about is, is there is nothing in God that is addictive. All right? When it comes to sexuality, we're going to talk about addictions. We're going to talk about uh, being careful and watching out. Uh, but what, when it comes to God, in God, there is nothing addictive. What I mean by that is nobody's ever become addicted to reading the Bible, okay? Like people really enjoy it and they get a lot out of it and they want to do it over and over. But, but nobody comes, becomes addicted like you can't stop doing this. Nobody comes addicted to prayer, right? Nobody becomes addicted to going to church. Um, God, in God, he doesn't make things addictive. And this is the reason. Because God wants you to choose what you do. He doesn't want to force you. And that's a good principle, because God, he loves you so much that he's given us free will and the choice to choose for ourselves. And that's a good God. It's a good father that says, I, I'm going to let you choose. I'm not going to force you. Or I would have made robots. And I wouldn't have made human beings. Right? And so he gives us the choice. Now, God is, in that sense, they call him the good shepherd. He wants relationship with us. He wants to lead us somewhere. And it's about relationship. But he doesn't force us. He leads us. He says, this is the direction I want to take you. If you follow me, you're going to find a lot of good things in life. If you don't, those ditches aren't all, all that fun. And the, over the cliffs, they just, it's not worth it. So we have a God that's a good shepherd. He's not a slave driver. He's not going to force us. Now we have an enemy who is a slave driver. And we just did a series about that, how the people of Israel were, were uh, in, in, captive and in, in, as slaves. And the enemy wants to, to, to make us captives and wants to, us to be addicted. And he wants us to be stuck in, in, in ruts. And he wants us to be um, living less than God wants us to because he is a slave driver. He wants you to be a slave to sin, to, your, to every whim, to every feeling you have, to your emotions. He wants you to be stuck in life, and that's his strategy. And really the ultimate goal of that is, is, is as he does this, his one ultimate goal is to destroy the very two things that God said are the most important. They asked Jesus, what are the most important commandments? He said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your, love your neighbor as yourself. The two things that he's going after, well, the one thing that relates to these is relationships. He wants to destroy your relationship with God, and he wants to destroy your relationship with everybody else in the world. That's, that's the end game. So when, he, when you fight with your spouse and you fight with your coworkers, it's really, sometimes it's not always about necessarily the fight. It's, it's something lo- bigger going on there. That The strategy is, I want 
you to distrust people. I want you to hate people so much that you isolate yourself, that you don't have people around you that can help you. That's, his, that's the end goal. He wants to destroy it. Destroy it. So um, in God, there's freedom, not addiction. And it's a free choice as we talk about sexuality, right? Um, so when, when it comes to all different areas of our lives, you can recover from a lot of things. Uh, if you've made bad financial choices, given enough time and discipline, you can get out of those situations. But when it comes to sexuality, if, if, you, may, if you go down the wrong path, in some cases, it's almost impossible to recover from. Uh, because it leads to um, a place that, that will keep you, it, it'll just haunt you. It's like you're, you're, you're adding these bags, you're, you're, you're gaining more baggage in your life, and, and it can affect you going into it. So it's one of the areas that um, is probably, when we need guardrails, we're not talking about like these, you know, these little things that are going to kind of protect. We need like barriers, like maybe some concrete here, like some reinforced steel concrete barriers when it comes to sexuality because the danger and the temptation is so great in this area and it can do a lot of damage and, and, and harm. So um, when it comes to sexuality, this is what the Bible says about, about sex, right? Um, so it's a warning. This is the guardrail he's saying. And if notice, it's not like a guardrail, like just like, like hey, watch out. Uh, he's saying, this is, this is what 1 Corinthians six eighteen. Uh, Paul says, uh, go back, sorry, to that one. He says, flee from sexual immorality. When it comes to doing it God's way, flee from sexual immorality. What he's saying is run away. Like when it comes to sexual temptation, just run away. The answer is not to flirt with it. The answer is not to see how close to the edge you can get. It's to run away. And we all know this. We all intuitively understand this. Like if we have a friend that's addicted to pornography or we have a friend that is going to have an affair or us, you know, for me as a, as, a, as a husband, I don't want my wife to be cheating on me. So when, we, when it comes to others, we're like, we get it. Like, yeah, we don't want them to be addicted to stuff. We don't want them to be stuck in, this, in those lifestyles. But when it comes to ourselves, it's like, but I got this. I can handle the temptation. I can, you know, I'm going to flirt with this a little bit. And that's, that should be a big warning, warning sign in itself is when, when we have a standard for others, but when it comes to ourselves, we're like, it's really not that big of a deal. No, it really is a big deal. Because when we think, when we begin to think, right, what would my friends tell me? What would I tell my friends about this? Then I should probably tell myself those same things. And that's what Paul is saying. When it comes to sexual morality, run. In this scripture, in this, in this passage, he goes through a list of all these sexual sins. And he's saying all, all different kinds of sins. But he's saying when it comes to sexual sin, he says when it comes to this, just run. Go the other direction. Like get out of there. Don't even mess with it. That is the answer to overcome sexual temptation and sexual sin. And so... It's not how, how close can I get to the edge before I fall off the, off the cliff. You know, our, our culture, um, when it comes to guardrails, we said, we said really they don't give a guardrail. They kind of give this little line of a warning uh, when it comes. You know, they tell, they tell uh, students, you know, don't have sex until you're ready. That's really not a guardrail. That's like a line saying, all right, there's danger here. Be careful. But it's really not a big deal. They're like, sexuality is not a big deal. It's just, in fact, um, I heard in Florida there's a school that now teaches, uh, um, they call it pansexuality. Uh, so it's not just like, you know, um, identifying as, as, as a, a heterosexual or a bisexual. Now it's pan. It's like the idea is um, anything, I, the idea is you can have sex with any, anyone um, at any time or anything, and it's your choice. It's up to you. It, it's like it's not a big deal. And that's what they're teaching in some of the schools in, in, in Florida, I heard. It's crazy, pansexuality. It's, it's where our country now is opening that they're saying morality. There's not really morality. There's no guardrails. There's kind of just your choice that you make. But here's the crazy thing. Our, even in our culture, even though they, we say that, it's not really a big deal. When something does happen and somebody goes into the, into the ditch or off the cliff, we all get upset and be like, why did that, why did that happen? Teen pregnancy is an example, right? So you tell, we tell kids, 
wait until you're ready. And then teens get pregnant. We're like, ah, teen pregnancy is really not a good thing. Like, they're really not ready to be moms, and this is a really bad thing. And they get chastised for getting pregnant. But yet they said, hey, just wait till you're ready. Well, they thought they were ready, and then they got pregnant. And now we're saying, oh, man, you shouldn't have got pregnant, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? And the culture gets down on us for, for making the bad choice, yet there's no guardrail to really say. Throughout Scripture, God is saying, I want to help you have standards in your life that you will make wise choices that will lead to life and a, and, and, and a beautiful family, beautiful relationships in the future. And he says, Warren. so when it comes to this, he says, run away. And so we understand this when it comes to our friends, but sometimes we miss it. I love how the message takes this translation. And uh, I'm going to read, read through the message a little bit. Uh, stick with me, follow on the screen. 1 Corinthians six twelve uh, through 20. I'm going to read this in the message translation. He says this, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. You can do things. You're, you're able to do a lot of things in this world, but just because you can do it doesn't mean it's appropriate spiritually. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I would, I'd be a slave to my own whims. He's saying if I just went by whatever felt good, man, I'm going to be a slave to what feels good and what I want to do. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, and then you live to eat? You get trapped in the cycle of, all right, you just mess around with the frog, but then eventually it's controlling me. Well, it may be true that the body is the only... It's only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors, honors you with a body, honor him with your body. He said, God's giving you this gift of a body. Honor him with it. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours this, with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. First Corinthians keeps going on and says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. And we know this. We, we get this. But sometimes the messages our culture says it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. It's not just a physical thing. It's beyond that. Sex is not just physical. It's emotional, right? And in, 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 a, in a, a very mystical way, it's a spiritual thing also. It's, it's mingling of not just two bodies, but of two souls, of two people that become one, the Bible says. So he says, it's not just mere skin on skin, skin on skin. Sex is a much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scriptures, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually with the master, one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. And this is key. I'm going to say that again. You've got to listen to this. We, we, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids, avoids commitment and avoids intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever before. The kind of sex that can never, never become one with somebody else. So he's saying when we, do it, when we don't do it God's way, we're going to be left feeling empty because there's something that's not being satisfied in us. Don't do it that way. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for, the God, for God-given and God-modeled love. For becoming one with another. That is good. Man, we were made for God-given and God-modeled love. So he's saying when it comes to sexuality, there's a way that's appropriate and the right way to do it. And when you do it God's way, it's very fulfilling. Man, I, I know. I've been doing it for 13 years, and it's amazing. All right? So. Or didn't you realize that your body... I'm going to keep reading there, all right? I didn't... Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? Man. It's time I do... No, okay. <laughs> Don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you, you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? 
He goes on to finish it by saying, the physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let, let people see God in and through your body. So he's saying, live in such a way that how you handle how you do it, people are like saying, wow, there's something different about you. And we honor God in, in our life and in the way we do it. And I promise when you do it God's way, there's fulfillment. There's true intimacy. There's the true love that he talks about there. And it's, it's great. It's amazing. So um, when it comes to sexual immorality, Paul tells us just run, run away. And, and he's talking to the church of Corinthians. And in his time when he was writing, it's very similar to our culture. Anything kind of went. The scripture we got out, we'll read in a little bit out of Ephesians. In that culture, there was no morals. It was kind of like anything goes. And when it came to sex, in fact, uh, it was tied to, 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 to worship. Like you would ha- go and have sex with somebody at a temple as part of worship in some of the, the, the religions there. And so he's saying when it comes to this, man, this is dangerous. It's not healthy because it creates an appetite in us that can, if we're doing it, if we're not doing God's way, it'll create an appetite in us that we can never satisfy. I mean, we, people will get addicted to, to, to looking at pictures and videos, pornography. And, and um, in fact, there's, it's, it's going beyond even, you know, human beings. Now it's fantasy and it's uh, this other stuff. It's, 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 it's weird, getting weir- weirder and weirder. And, and when you get stuck in that, it never brings fulfillment or satisfaction, but an empty feeling of, saying, of, of, of missing out on, on something that really, should be really uh, good. And we distort it, or we, we, we say pervert it. It's kind of we twist it. Perversion just means we're taking something that's good and we twist it, right? God created sex. It was his idea. And it's good if we do it his way, okay? So here's some guardrails when it comes to, to us, our lives. So if you're married, uh, here's some guardrails that I would recommend that you put in. Next week we're going to talk about marriage. But today we're going to just kind of give you some guardrails when it comes to guarding ourselves from sexual temptations, Married people, don't travel alone with somebody of the opposite sex. This is a good, good standard, something I've put in my life. It's a guardrail. Um, if I ever had to break this, um, there was, there, we have even, even other guardrails in place. You know, If there was an emergency, I had to take somebody, uh, a woman somewhere else. You know, I'd, I'd ask them to sit in the back seat. I would call my wife and let her know, hey, I'm, I'm going to be going, going to this place with this person. So they know. You set up guardrails so there's no room for the enemy to come in and bring temptation. Don't travel alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Don't eat alone or have coffee alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Uh, for married people, just you're setting yourself up for an affair, setting yourselves up for temptation to step outside of the boundaries uh, that God asks us to, to, to put in our lives. Uh, don't hire cute members of the opposite sex because you want to help them. All right? If you have a choice, you're married, man, don't put people around you that are, that are going to tempt you and, and um, that your wife or your husband wouldn't be pleased with, you know? And if your husband or wife has an issue with somebody you're going to hire or, or working with, man, that should be a guardrail too, saying, hey, something's lighting up here. I'm going to talk next week about how my wife saved me from something really um, that could have been really big. And I'll talk about that next week. But anyways, it goes along with this. Don't confide in or counsel somebody of the opposite sex. Don't. It opens you up for an emotional relationship. It begins to open up the, the opportunity for you to be alone with somebody. Um, and when you t- share personal information with somebody, that makes an even stronger connection with somebody else. When you feel an attraction towards a specific person, tell somebody immediately. It doesn't necessarily have to be your spouse, but you need to tell somebody, hey, I'm around this person and there's this attraction here. Man, I need I, I to be careful. If you're married, you don't want to put guardrails because it's keeping you on, the, on a good path, on a, on, a good way, on a good pathway and not getting onto the, into the ditches. All right? And if you think you're beyond any of these, Really be careful. 
because you're, you're in a dangerous spot where you think you're above that, that's when the enemy can sneak in and really hit. So, married people, make sure your spouse knows where your guardrails are so he or she can be comfortable with them and hold you accountable to them. Talk about some of these guardrails. I've never talked about that. I won't, I won't meet, meet alone with the woman. It won't be me and her meeting it for coffee or anything. If, if I need to counsel a woman or something, I invite somebody else or I do it in a very public place and let my wife know where I'm at. If I have to do it, but I, I make the guardrail saying I'm going to put things in place that are going to keep me protected because the enemy can sneak in and destroy not just, not just my, my life, my marriage, but really he wants to destroy my kids' marriages, my kids' lives. And he wants to destroy the marriages and lives around me. So it's, it's not just a guardrail saying you just need to protect yourself. It's saying you want to, you want to be, honor God with everything. So that's for married people. Single people, gouge your eyes out with a spoon. It's the first one. <laughs> That's funny, right? So, I heard that joke. I thought it was hilarious. Just kidding. Single people in any relationship with a married person follow the rules of the married. The married rules, the same one. If you're single and you have any relationship with a married person of the opposite sex, man, follow the same rules. Don't travel alone. Don't have meals alone or coffee that person. Don't confide in or counsel with that person. It's not really not that big of a deal. It, it is a big deal because you're 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 taking steps to build relationships that could lead to an unhealthy relationship, and, and, and messing up another somebody else's marriage, okay? So single people do that. No sleepovers, all right? Um, this might be not a big deal. Uh, ladies, if you're single and you're here, um, don't make it easy for a guy to have sex with you. Don't do it. Our culture makes it easy. Don't. Man, make them earn it. If, if they want a part of you to be, to you, for them, if they want you to be in their life, man, make them earn it. Like, let them show you that they're really a guy and a man who can really support that will take care of you. All right? Because our culture doesn't. And I understand this. If you're single and you're a woman, you, you have a need and a desire to be with a man. All right? Or with people. And, 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 um, and that the emotional part of us can sometimes override and, and give in or allow um, somebody else to, to go beyond our, um, our own guardrails. Don't. Just don't, don't have that. Those are things you put in place. Don't do sleepovers because it will lead to something that you will regret, all right? Single people, if in your social environment, if a date has become equivalent to having sex, all right? So when, when, you, when I talk about going on a date, and the idea is, well, yeah, we're talking about a date, it's about sex. Well, if that's where you're at, then you need to decide on a one-year break um, from, from a relationship with the opposite sex. Take a break. Don't even date. Because if that's what it is, you need to take a break so that you can allow God uh, to work in your mind and in your, in your heart. Because you'll need time for God to be in to heal and to, and to cleanse and to, to work. So if, if, that's, if that's you and you're in that, that place uh, where relationships is really about sex, then you need to take a break and, and, and begin to, to ask God to, to heal and to prepare and, and, um, and, and ask God to prepare the, the right person for you. And the, way, the best thing you can do for the future, if you're single, the best thing you could do for your future spouse is to be the spouse or to be the person you want them to be. And then eventually they'll find you. Um, don't don't expect others to be something that you're not willing to be yourself. So take your time and let let, let, let that work out. Uh, this is good advice. You know, it sounds like a whole year I can't date. And it's just just a guardrail I would suggest put in place so you can figure out like, man, I I I need to to have somebody in life because I, um, I trust them, not because they're just fulfilling a, a physical thing or I'm fulfilling a physical thing in their life. All right. So for all of us, if if um, if you're in this room and, and pornography is an issue. Man, I would encourage you, guardrail to put in your places. Put, uh, you can install apps in your phone 
um, that, that you have accountability partners that tell you on your computer or your phone that if you ever go to a site that's inappropriate, it'll email your friend saying this week, this week. No, it's good. You laugh. I have people in my life um, that I get emails every week saying there was no inappropriate contact that was what was watched on, on this computer, on this phone. It is a great thing. It's a safeguard. And when it does pop up, I can call them and say, hey, I got this notification saying you're on. What's up? Because they've asked me to say, hey, would you help hold me accountable? Because they understand the danger in pornography. See, there's a bigger why behind, um, I think Chris, I was talking to Chris, he was telling me that, you know, when it comes to guardrails, sometimes we have guardrails in front of this beautiful location, this beautiful, beautiful place. You're on the side of a cliff, you know, the ocean, you see this. It's something beautiful. You know, sex is something beautiful. Um, but there's a guardrail there to keep us from maybe something in front of that or the, the potential for, for, for danger, for, for death, Right? And so you might think, well, it, it's a shortcut. Pornography is a shortcut to what really God is asking us to do. And it's, it's not healthy. It's not good. But our culture, and this is one of the reasons people don't like Christians. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, these, this whole message is really, we're, 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 we're speaking to Christians. When he, Paul speaks about running from sexual immorality, he's talking to Christians. If you're not a Christian, you can learn a lot from this, and I would hope you would, and you would apply this to your life because it will save you a lot of pain. But we're talking directly to Christians saying, if you're going to follow Christ, we need to put guardrails in our lives that are going to protect us and keep us moving in the direction God wants us to. So when it comes to these things, God um, God's asking us, put, put guardrails in your life. Because there's a greater thing that's, that's happening. The enemy, he wants to get us addicted to things. He wants us to go to the shortcut. Um, he wants us to, to never experience the fulfillment that God really has for us. Because it's, it's easy to satisfy ourselves in other ways. And there's a, remember, the end game is he wants to destroy all your relationships. He wants you to have so much baggage in your life that it'll be hard to move forward. And God's way is different. He's saying, man, I want to lighten up your load. I want, I want to help you be free. So install something on your computer. Tell people if you, have, if you struggle with this kind of stuff. Um, I uninstalled an app on my phone uh, because it would give me prompts. Uh, it wasn't so like... When you bump up against a guardrail, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something bad. It's just it's a safety uh, precaution, a safety measure that's keeping you from doing something bad. And I had an app that um, it was tied to Instagram, but the feed that it would bring up was always inappropriate. And so I just said, man, this is not good. I just deleted the app and said I will not go on that app because it's, it's, it could potentially lead to something that I don't want to go down. So I put a guardrail. I deleted the app. My phone, and my wife knows my password. She can go on my phone. She can look at my text messages. She can look at my, my browsing history. She can look at my Instagram account, see who's, who I'm following, who I'm, what pictures I'm liking, stuff like that. Those are all guardrails. Do I have to do that? No, I could keep it. I'm pretty sure, well, she, she, it's, just, it's healthy. It's good. It's, it's a trust that's between us saying, I, I trust you enough uh, that I want you to be um, in this. And this is why, because exclusivity, it fuels int- intimacy in marriage. When my wife knows that she's the only one for me, there's something in her that says, this is really good and really healthy. But as soon as she begins to doubt and question, am I really the only one for him? Or is there all this other stuff? And here's the thing with sexuality. It's, it's one of the things that we're talking about that can, in some ways, can, the damage can never be repaired in some cases. Never. And this is why Paul says when it comes to sexual immorality, run. Run, don't pause, don't flirt, don't, don't think you're greater than it, just run. David, man, a great guy in the Bible, one of the heroes in the Bible. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time and made the wrong decision and caused a lot of pain for his family, for his country, and caused a lot of pain to God because he thought he was bigger and beyond that. 
great lesson for us to learn from. Throughout the Bible, there's, there's people that made decisions that said, I can, I'm going to be honest, I'm above that. And they made the wrong choice. Um, Sol- Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he wanted to experience everything. He says, I gave myself to everything to try it. That's including sex with a lot of different people. And he, in the end, he said, I realize that it's not worth it. It's not out of wisdom. He looks back and says, this is not something that's good. One of the things I would recommend, if, if you want to know guardrails that, that throughout Scripture that God asks us, one of the, the books that would help you the most is Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. Solomon wrote, wrote this book. One of the things we do at my, my, at my house is we read a Proverbs a day to my kids before they go to sleep. So today's the 11th. Tonight, before they go to sleep, sometimes I don't get to do it every night, but almost every night, I'll read tonight, I'll read Proverbs 11 to them, go through the whole book. I'm more reading to myself than them. I mean, we talk about sometimes about the things that they say, um, but they're young. But it's, it's a habit we put in place. So today we'll read the chapter 11. And there's amazing guardrails. In fact, um, I think it was chapter 5 last week we were reading. And as we're going through this, I'm talking to the kids. Solomon's talking to his kids saying, hey, put these things in your life. And I'm talking to my kids about it. And I'm thinking, he is telling his kids all these guardrails they should have in their life. And throughout the whole chapter, I'm like, wow, guardrail. Oh, wow, that's a guardrail. Oh, wow, that's another guardrail. And over and over the Bible, he's saying throughout that, that book and throughout this, the Bible, there's these, these principles that God is really saying, hey, be careful of this. Because if you go beyond that, man, you're not going to like the consequences. You're not going to like what's on the other side. So he invites us. So um, is this extreme? It could be. Maybe you might think, well, these are really extreme guardrails that you're asking me to do. You have to decide to do them. Do you want an extremely healthy marriage? Then you have to do some extremely healthy things. You want to have a, um, a, a really great intimate relationship with your wife? You have to put things in, in, your, in, in place. And when you do it God's way, I promise, there's fulfillment, there's joy. And we honor God. And when we honor God with our bodies, he honors us back. When we don't honor God with our bodies, there are consequences. There are things that come with it. So some of you, maybe you're here and you said, well, okay, you're kind of beating me up because I've made really bad choices when it comes to sexuality. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, we've all made bad choices. The good news is you can change. You can stop. And today you can start putting guardrails in your life that will keep you uh, healthy into the future. You can make that choice. My job is not to beat you up. If you've, if you've had a past where you've messed up, man, I'm sorry. God can bring healing to your life. He can help you. But here's the thing. He wants you to make choices now that will keep you from going back to those, those places. Make the choice to do that. So here's how Ephesians, when we, we get this, this idea of, of guardrails and what he's asking us to do. Uh, Ephesians 5, he said, Be careful, very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When he says days are evil, he's saying the days are dangerous. We live in a very dangerous time because the morals in our country, they're, they're disintegrating, they're going away. Anything's going to... Is, is almost possible to do now. And, and the, you know, the, the, the laws change things. Um, our culture just changes. And as, as morality begins to fall and crumble, um, the need for guardrails is even greater because we're saying, all right, even though I really don't have to do this, and even though the guardrail is not necessarily a dangerous place, you know, is it really wrong to have coffee with with person opposite sex if you're married? No, that's not necessarily a sin. It's a guardrail saying I won't do it. Because we know what the potential could happen if I start having coffee all the time. Man, and then the woman tells you, man, I wish my husband was like you. And you're like, whoa. As a pastor, they told me the worst thing you could hear a woman tell you is, I wish my husband was like you. They said, if you ever hear that, run the other direction. Stop meeting with that person. Get them to, to counsel with a woman because there's danger there. It's a guardrail. 
Why? Is that necessarily wrong? No, but it's a warning sign. I'm bumping up against it saying, warning, Eric, warning. There's potential here. Next week we'll talk about how <laughs> hitting against the guardrail will save my life, save my family. All right? We'll talk about that. So he's saying make, make wise choices. Live as wise. This series is about wisdom. It's saying um, how can we put, put principles in our lives that are going to keep us walking down the path God wants us to. So good news. Um, and maybe bad news is if you have not had guardrails put up, this is your third chance to begin to put guardrails in your life. And this is the third week, third chance. And here's the, here's the key for guardrails is no one ever regrets a guardrail. Nobody regrets a guardrail when it saves, when it saves a marriage, when it saves a family, when it saves your future. Nobody ever regrets a guardrail. But everybody regrets not having guardrails, especially when they knew better. It's like, oh, I knew better. I shouldn't have done that. And I shouldn't have been visiting that site. I should have told somebody about that relationship. I should have. You put guardrails. It protects you from regret. Uh, it saves you from, from guilt because you're saying, I'm going I'm to stay on the path that God is leading me on, not get into the ditches and off to the sides. So don't live with more baggage. Don't add more baggage to your life. We don't, it's, not, it's not worth it. We're not made to carry stuff like that. God wants us to be free. So the challenge today is this. Create... And it's every week, last week, the same challenge is create a, a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience and then tell somebody about that standard. So you have to decide. These are some good standards I'm giving you, but you have to just decide and, and, and say, all right, we need to put some guardrails and say this is important. We need to do these things. And then tell somebody. Tell, tell your spouse. Tell, tell a friend um, and do that. Because here's the truth. God wants to protect you. And the way he protects you is by telling you what's coming in the future, and then saying, do something about that. So he says the wise person sees what's down the road and gets out of the way so he doesn't run into the, into the, into the cliff or over the edge. A wise person sees what's coming down the road and, and fixes, corrects the path to, to, to make a wise choice and a wise decision. Be a wise person. Be somebody that says, I am going to make choices that's going to bring health in the future, not just fulfillment right now. It's easy to fulfill immediate gratification right now. It's easy to go and browse. It's easy to, you know, to do whatever we're going to do. And it brings, it, it's fun for a second, but then it leaves us empty. So God wants to guard us in our relationships. And the way he does it is by giving us principle that says, man, follow my way. I'm not going to force you. I want you to choose these things for yourself and then begin to do it. So as we talk to guardrails, here, here's the thing that I love most about God is that, um, he understands that as humans we're weak and that we are in need of, of something greater than even what we can do and manage. And, and in our addictions and in our struggles, um, he's given us a way to be free from those things. And I love this about God. He's saying, um, even in, your, in the worst place in your life, I still love you and I still care for you and I want to help you. But like a good gentleman, like a good shepherd, he doesn't force himself. He invites us to, lead, to follow his lead. And at church, we give opportunities every week for people to say, I want to follow God's lead. I need, I need his help. Maybe you're here today and we talk about sexual you know, sin and sexual morality. Maybe you've experienced some of that. And this would be a good place to say, God, would you forgive me of that? And I, I acknowledge that, man, I haven't made the best choices in my past, but would you help me to move forward and make better choices? Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, um, I really don't have a relationship with God. If that's the ultimate goal that, that enemy is trying to destroy, well, I, I want that goal. I want, I want to have a relationship with God. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, coming to church is a good way. Reading your Bible, praying, talking, getting people to other Christians around you that would help you. Those are all ways that you can get God, more of God in your life. 
But if you're here today, I would love to lead you in a prayer, an invitation for you asking God into your life to help you out. Would everybody close your eyes and bow your heads? If you're here today, and as I talked about this, um, God loves you so much, he wants to be your friend. That's why he sent his son to die on that cross. In fact, the Bible says because he died, we don't have to die. We have life and new life in him and through him. So if you're here today and you would like me to lead you in a prayer that just invites God into your life, would you raise your hand? Awesome. Very cool. Anybody else? Anybody else here says, man, I need God in my life. I invite him. I want him to lead. Awesome. A lot of hands went up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a very simple prayer that just says, God, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my past. All right, would you pray this prayer with me? Everybody else, maybe you've said this prayer before. You want to join us in that? It'd be fine. Father God, today I admit my mistakes, my sin. Would you forgive me of my past, of choices I've made that were not healthy? Help me today to make wise choices. I invite you into my life to be my God. Lead me. Be the boss of me. Speak wisdom into my life. Put people around me that will help me on this journey. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. I accept your sacrifice. I want to know you. Help me this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Let me pray for you guys that pray that prayer. God, you see all these people that pray today. Lord, we, um, we're so grateful, Lord God, that they, they can admit and say we need, they need your help. God, we need your help. I pray that you would help us, Lord God, this week to make wise choices and wise decisions. Father God, as we, as we um, are barraged God, by all kinds of temptations around us all the time, Father God, I pray that you would help us to overcome. God, that we would take Paul's advice and we'd run away when it comes to sexual temptation and sexual morality. Father God, that we would make wise choices, Father God, that would bring about healthy relationships in our lives. We love you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a hand to all those that prayed that prayer? Good job.